All right, take your Bibles tonight, open to the book of Acts chapter number 1, Acts chapter 1, and uh, while you're turning there, uh, let me just say I appreciate uh, Brother Joel preaching this morning for me while I was gone, and uh, Brother Andy taking care of the adult Sunday school, appreciate those men uh, willing to do that, and uh, this morning I was up at uh, First Baptist Church of Laura, and uh, I was privileged to preach the service where... Uh, Brother Josh Mowry is becoming the uh, pastor of the church there, and so got to preach uh, kind of a charge and a challenge to the church, but then also be a part of the ordination uh, of him being ordained to the ministry and uh, becoming the pastor of the church there, and so that was a a special privilege uh, for me to be able to be a part of that. And uh, I know I think my, my dad is up there tonight preaching, and that's why uh, he's not here. And so, uh, but be prayer for them. But uh, just a great opportunity there. Of course, uh, Brother Josh has been in that church pretty much all of his life, just growing up from a little kid. And uh, his dad pastoring there for 36 years. Uh, got saved. Um, when did he get saved? I mentioned this morning. Um, almost 45 years ago, got saved, and then went to Bible college as, as an already a grown man, and, uh, and then came back and took over that church there uh, 36 years ago, back in, I think it was 87, and been pastoring there for 36 years, and then, uh, of course, his son, Josh, grew, grew up there and was the assistant pastor for a number of years, and then uh, the church decided to make that transition that Pastor uh, Rick Mowry would uh, step back and kind of uh, step away from the senior pastorate, and uh, his son, Josh Mowry, would step in uh, to the pastorate there and become the pastor. And so uh, it was a great service this morning, and uh, folks, I think, are uh, really excited about what the Lord's going to do uh, there. And I told them, I said, it's, it's, uh, I'm privileged to be a part of it because I've been on both sides. <laughs> uh, I was the pastor uh, in Uganda turning our church over to a man that I had trained, and then uh, I was the guy that the church was being turned over to uh, when Pastor Hill retired of 42 years, uh, and then I took over here at First Baptist. And so I've been on uh, both sides of that. And it's great to see what God is going to do uh, there with the church. And so I hope you'll be praying uh, for them there. Uh, Have you noticed there's been some work done on the building this past week, right? I didn't know you could run so many wires and not know where they go. I'm telling you, there is wires run everywhere in this building. And I don't know if half of them are connected to anything. Um, But uh, it was great. We had a lot of men come out this week and this weekend and ladies as well and young people, teenagers that help uh, to kind of take down all of the the old drop ceiling in the hallways and things. And uh, Lord willing, this week we'll have some guys come in and start working on that and uh, skim coating the walls and then putting up new ceiling tiles and things like this. And so little by little, we're starting to get some things rolling. Uh, with, uh, with the renovations here and uh, just before the service it was over uh, in the auditorium talking with one of the men and uh, about some things that we have planned and stuff and so it's exciting just to see the, uh, the little steps being done but uh, little steps uh, moving into big steps and so it's exciting uh, to see what the Lord's, Lord's going to do. Uh, Acts chapter 1 and we're going to read here in verse number 8. This is a very familiar passage A very familiar passage. Our theme, of course, this year is strong, taken from Ephesians uh, chapter 6 and verse number 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And uh, this year, our focus is on being strong. We want to uh, be strong. And we're going to look at uh, different things throughout the year, uh, whether that's having strong families or uh, a strong church or strong doctrine. Uh, But tonight, 
uh, as we begin kind of this uh, kickoff series and things is uh, we're going to be starting uh, next week, begin going through the book of Ephesians, and we're going to be studying through the book of Ephesians on Sunday mornings. Um, but uh, tonight, we're going to be looking at strong power, strong power. Um, in Acts chapter 1, uh, again, very familiar passage of Scripture, Jesus is speaking to the disciples. The disciples have been questioning about when the kingdom is going to come and, uh, you know, wanting to know what's going to happen. And Jesus tells them in verse number 7, it's not for you to know the time or the season which the Father hath put in his, in his own power, but he says in verse number 8, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost part of the earth. It's interesting. Jesus says to the disciples here, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Of course, Jesus is speaking of something that's going to happen in about 40 days as the disciples are going to be waiting in Jerusalem. And about 40 days later, uh, what we would call the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is going to, uh, to come upon them. And uh, we know from, from that point on uh, that any time a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, the Bible tells us very cle clearly in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 that uh, after that you receive the word of truth, you believed the word of God, right? And you receive the Holy Spirit of promise. Uh, the very moment that a person accepts Christ as their Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit. But what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? And of course, Jesus speaks much about this in John chapter 14 and John chapter 16 about the, the comforter and what he's going to do and he's going to teach us and he's going to um, you know, guide us and these things. But specifically, notice what Jesus says here. But ye shall receive, what is that next word? Come on, what is it? Power. You shall receive what? Power. 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 I don't know about you, I like power. I like electricity on, right? I, I like it when uh, things work well, right? I like power. Uh, I like strength as well. I like it when things, uh, you know, you, you, can, you can depend on it, you know? I like it when, uh, you know, you go out and you start your car and you... you Pray that it's going to start, right? You can hopefully depend on it more or less, right? We, we like things that we can depend upon. We like things that have power to them. Jesus says, ye shall receive power. But notice when does he say we receive this power? He says, after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He says, you're going to receive this power when the Holy Spirit of God comes upon the believers. They receive power. Power to be witnesses, power to serve, power to live the life that Jesus Christ wants us to live. Yet if we were to examine the lives of most Christians, I dare say we would see a lack of power. There's a lack of power in Christians today. There's a lack of power in churches today. There's a lack of power, I would say spiritual power, in our country today. It's a lack of power. What is the cause of this lack of power? I want you to think about this for a second. Jesus said we would receive power. Yet we see the lack of power is evident in our day. You think about the number of churches that are closing all around our country. 
And say, well, say, well, that's because of COVID. No, it's not because of COVID. It's because of lack of power. You see what's happening in our country today. Well, that's because, you know, uh, you know, who's in charge? And that's because of the decisions they make. Well, some of that might be true, but the main reason that the way our country is going today is because of a lack of power. It's a lack of power. And Jesus says we'll receive power, but then if we look and we see this evidence of a lack of power in our day, the question we have to ask then is, why? Why is there a lack of power in Christians' lives? Why, why aren't we seeing more Christians willing and surrendering their lives and say, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do. Why is it that we're seeing churches, instead of growing and busting out at the seams, why is it that we're seeing churches closing their doors and merging with other churches? If, if there is such power, then why are we seeing our country go downhill when we would say, man, according to some of the surveys and things, there's... People would say, well, 50%, and again, this is a loose word here, but 50% of, of Americans are Christians. Well, if that's true, then where's the power? Why do we see just such a lack of power? Did Jesus lie when he told us that we would receive power? Well, if he did, uh, then that would have been the first lie he ever told. It would also mean that um, he is a sinner, and we really can't trust anything else he said. I don't, think it's, uh, I don't think Jesus has anything to do with it. I don't think it has to do with Jesus lying to us, so let's agree that Jesus is not the reason that we see the lack of power in our lives. So if the problem isn't with the Lord Jesus Christ, then maybe the problem is with the one who is to give us power. After all, he says here, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So if maybe if the problem doesn't lie with Jesus, does the problem lie with the Holy Ghost? Is that where the problem is? In the lack of power? Has he stopped empowering people today? I think we would all agree that the answer to that is no. He's not stopped empowering people. He still empowers people. So I think we could all agree that the answer isn't in the Holy Spirit. It's not the fault of Jesus that we don't see the power evident today. It's not the fault of the Holy Spirit that we don't see the power evident today. So then if it isn't Jesus' fault and if it isn't the Holy Spirit's fault, then there can only be one other person's fault that we're not seeing God's power in our day. And that person is us. It's you and I. You and I as Christians, it's our fault that we don't see the power of the Holy Spirit on our lives. It's our fault that we don't see strong power. Now, please, when I, when I say strong power, I'm not talking about like Samson, right? I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit coming upon Samson. All of a sudden now, you know, one of these young guys sitting up here on the front bitch is able to come up here. And he's going to lift this, you know, grand piano with one hand. That's not what I'm talking about, Okay. Um, now, maybe if they ate their Wheaties or something, they might be able to, but um, no, it's not, we're not talking about that type of power. We're not talking about physical power. We're talking spiritual power. I mean, let's be honest. Let's, let's look at our country today. Let's look at our state. Let's look at our city. Let's look at our church. Would we say that we have strong power? 
Let's look at our lives. Would we say in our life tonight, we have strong power? I can't answer that for you. I can answer for myself. And for myself, I can say, I don't have the power that I wish I had. But here's the thing. There's no one to blame for not having that power but myself. I can't blame you for not having the power that I want. I can't blame the Lord Jesus Christ for not having the power that I want. I can't blame the Holy Spirit for not having the power that I want. I can only blame myself. Because he says he, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he will give us the power that we need. He, he empowers us, he says, but ye shall receive power. So if Jesus isn't going to lie and the Holy Spirit hasn't, hasn't stopped empowering people, then the problem lies here. The problem lies with us. Why do we think that we don't need God's power? Because let's be honest with you. I dare say that for most Christians, when we wake up in the morning, the first thing that we think of is not the power of God. It's not the power of God. First thing we wake up and we think of, man, it's, you know, what's the day going to be like? Or what am I going to eat? Or what am I going to wear? Or what's going to happen at work today? Or what's going to happen with my job? Or what's going to happen with my finances? When, when we wake up and we begin our day, so many times we don't even give God a consideration. And yet somehow we expect to be empowered when we're not even concerned about what the Lord Jesus Christ wants. I want you to hold your place here and turn with me to the book of First Timothy, or excuse me, Second Timothy. Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter number six. Excuse me, Second Timothy chapter one, verse number six. Second Timothy chapter one, in verse number six, Paul writing to Timothy, he says, "Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of what's the next word? What is it? Power." and of love, and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partakers of the affliction of the gospel according to the, what is that next word? Power of God. If we know that Jesus cannot lie, and he promised that when we receive the Holy Spirit that we would receive power, he says, ye shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. If, if Jesus didn't lie about receiving power after the Holy Spirit comes upon us, if the Holy Spirit isn't the one that's not empowering, because when people accept Christ as their Savior, he, he indwells them, he empowers them, we have all the power that we need to live for Jesus Christ. We have all the power that we need to be the witness for Jesus Christ. We have all the power that we need to be obedient to what he wants us to do. So then what's the problem? I think one is that we just don't think we need God's power. 
We don't need God's power. Again, if, if I were to have you to write down all of our needs on a piece of paper, I wonder how many things we would come up with that we need. House payment, food, a car or car payment, a job, shoes, clothes, cell phone, computer. Just think of all the things that we would probably write down, the things that we need. But I wonder how many of us would actually put down that we need God's power. You see, most of us wouldn't even think about writing that down. That wouldn't, be, that wouldn't even be on the top 100 list, probably. I mean, because we've got all these other things that we need, and we just don't think we need God's power. I mean, after all, we've, we've gotten along pretty well, right? I mean, we're doing pretty good. I mean, the family's doing all right. I've got, I've got food, and I've got clothes, and, and I've got a, a good, stable job, and things are going okay. I mean, I don't really need God's power. I look at, look at, I'm able to do this in my own power. And we just don't think we need God's power. And when we don't think we need God's power, it's very hard for the Holy Spirit to empower us. When the Holy Spirit is there saying, hey, I've got the power that you need. I, I want, I've got the power for you to be the witness that you need to be. And I've got the power that, that you need to live for Jesus Christ. And we just say, no, no, thank you. I, I don't need that. I'm, I'm good. And the Holy Spirit says, no, you don't understand. I, I'm the only one that can be able to empower you to be the witness that you need to be. And, and what do we say? Well, I just don't want to be a witness. Well, I'm the only one that can empower you to, to be able to serve the Lord. Well, I, I don't really think serving the Lord is that important. Well, I'm the only one that can, can really give you the power that you need to, to follow God's plan for your life. Well, God's plan is a little bit different than my plan, and I think I'd rather follow my plan. You see, what are we saying? We just don't think we need God's power. Let's be honest, folks. Look, look, at, look at our society today. We are in a society that says we don't need God. We don't need God. And I have no problem. I have no problem with the world saying I don't need God. I don't have a problem with that. Because they're lost. But when Christians say I don't need God's power. We have a big problem. We have a serious problem. When we think we just don't need it. You see, we want everything but God. It's interesting when you look at the early Christians. You know how I know that those early Christians wanted the power of God? Because when Jesus told them to stay in Jerusalem until they received power, you know what they did? They obeyed. They stayed. You see, we get this idea that we don't need it, but then because we think we don't need it, you know what that turns to then? I don't want it. And here's where I'm afraid that, that many Christians are at today. It's not just that I don't need it. We're at the point to say, I don't even want it. 
I don't want God's power. I don't want to be able to be, I don't want to be used of God. I don't want to serve God. That's why, you know, hey, we'll, we'll say, hey, we've got needs. We've got places for people to serve. We've got all these things. And, and we'll have, even here at this church, and I, this, is, this is a great church, but we'll have Christians say, I don't, I don't want to serve. I don't want to serve. I don't need to serve. I mean, I'm a member. Isn't that good enough? You should be thankful that I chose to your church. You should be thankful that I, I joined First Baptist Church. I mean, that's good enough. Wait a minute, what are we saying? We don't even want God's power. Because it's only through God's power that we're able to serve. It's only through God's power that we're able to be obedient. It's only through God's power that we're able to be that witness that God wants us to be. They stay. Jesus said, he, told, he tells them, uh, again, hold, go, back to, go back to Acts here with me. Hold your place there in Timothy. We're going to come back to that in just a second. But he tells them here. He says, tarry in Jerusalem. He says, tarry there. And what happens? In verse number 12, then returned they unto Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day jersey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where both uh, abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes and Judas, the brother of James. They all, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. Jesus said, hey, this is what I want you to do. You're going to need power for what I need you to do. You're going to need power to be witnesses for me. You're going to need power to go out and preach the gospel. You're going to need power to serve. You're going to need power to do what what I have planned for you. And so for you to be able to get this power, I need you to go to Jerusalem, and I need you to just wait. I need you to wait at Jerusalem. And if you'll wait in Jerusalem, you'll receive the power. So they go. They go to Jerusalem, and they wait. They wait a day. All right, this power's coming. Nothing happens. Five days go by. Hey, Jesus said wait. Jesus said wait. He said the power's coming. Five days go by. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. Ten days go by. Jesus said wait. Nothing. You know what, you know what most of us would have probably done by then? This is a joke. It must not be real. I mean, I know Jesus said it, but it's been 10 days and nothing's happened yet. 20 days goes by. This is ridiculous. We've been waiting here for 20 days. 30 days. We should have left a long time ago. I told you guys, I I told you we shouldn't have listened to him. I mean, he said that we were going to get power, but we've been here for 30 days. It's been 35 days. It's been 36 days. It's been 37 days. It's been 38 days. It's been 39 days. There's nothing going on here, guys. We might as well just leave. I said, no, 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 no. We're not leaving. Jesus said to wait in Jerusalem. Jesus said to wait. You see, we had a problem a little bit ago. Jesus kept trying to tell us that he was going to rise again. Jesus kept telling us he was going to die, but he said, don't worry, I'm going to rise again. And fellas, we didn't believe him. We didn't believe him. In fact, remember that day when Jesus came and he chewed us out because we didn't believe him? Because the women came and they said, hey, Jesus is risen. And we didn't believe him. Hey, Jesus is risen, and he he, he wants us to tell you that he's alive. No, we didn't believe him. We didn't believe him. 
Even though Jesus had told us this was going to happen, we didn't believe him. Guys, remember that? Remember, remember how we didn't believe? And then what happened? Three days later, we're sitting in this locked room, and all of a sudden, Jesus walks right through the wall. Remember that, guys? I think maybe we better believe Jesus. I think maybe we better just wait here until Jesus gives us the power, no matter how long it takes. We didn't believe him before, and we kind of got chewed out for that. And we were proven wrong because Jesus rose from the grave. You see, we just, we just don't really believe him. He says we're going to have power to be witnesses. We're going to have power to serve. We're going to have power to live. We don't think we need it. And we don't want it. They wanted the power of God on their lives, and they were willing to wait no matter how long it took. They waited, and they prayed. Did you see what it said in verse 14? Watch, watch what he says. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. They're praying. They're praying. They're saying, God, we don't know when this power is going to come, but we know you promised this power. God, we don't, want, we don't know what to do next, but you told us to wait until we receive the power, and so, God, we're just going to wait. And they, they obeyed God, and they prayed and Christian, can I tell you, we cannot expect to have power just because we have the Holy Spirit. If we aren't being obedient to the Spirit, then we won't have power. It's not just because we have the Holy Spirit. No, they were obedient to what Jesus Christ said. They did what he said, and they received that power. They prayed. They knew that this is what God wanted. They said, Lord, we need your power because we can't do this. We tried before. We tried in our own strength. And what happened? We took off. We ran. We fled. We, we betrayed you. And we need your power, and we want it. And we're going to stay, and we're going to pray until we get it. We're not that patient, are we? We ask God for something. If he doesn't answer us in 24 hours, we think he doesn't care about us. We say, God, give me, give me patience. I'm waiting. Give me patience, Lord. Come on. You see, we're, we're not patient. We're not really willing to wait for God to work in our lives. We're so busy, we're con so consumed with our lives that we don't have time for God. We don't have time just to, I, I don't know what they did those 40 days. I know they did a lot of praying. I know they did a lot of fellowship waiting for God to give them power. Do we really want the power of God on our lives? We want everything this life has to offer. We want fame. We want prosperity. We want possessions. You say, well, how do you know that? Because that's what we spend the most time thinking about. That's what we spend the most time working for. That's what we spend the most time worrying over. We worry over our job and we worry over our finances. When was the last time you worried because you didn't have the power of God on your life. It just doesn't matter anymore. We'll work for that retirement. We'll work for that pension. We'll work for that, the, the, that bonus. We'll do all that. But when's the last time we said, God, I need to, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get the power of God in my life. 
God, but I'm going to spend time in your word, and I'm going to spend time in prayer, and I'm going to be obedient. God, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. You see, we need to give up our desires for God's desire. When was the last time you prayed and said, God, I need your power? When's the last time you worried over it? That you really worried because you didn't have God's power on your life? To most of us, that's probably never even happened. We've never worried about it. And then we wonder why we don't experience strong power. We look at people in the Bible and we say, man, there must have been something different about them. I mean, Paul and, and Timothy and, and, and Moses and Joshua and, and all these guys, they were, they, were just, they were just special. No, they weren't special. They weren't any different than you and I. They just wanted God's power. They just wanted to serve God. They, just, they, were, they were willing to do anything that it took to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what they had to give up. You see, we aren't willing to pay the price. If you come back here to 2 Timothy, as Paul is trying to encourage Timothy not to forsake the power of God. He says, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God. Paul is telling Timothy, hey, don't, don't be ashamed of God. Don't be ashamed of his power. Timothy, you need God's power. Are there going to be trials that come in our lives if we live for God? Sure there are. And that's why many Christians don't want to live for God. We don't want the trials that come. You know what Paul tells Timothy? He says, yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Oh, well, if that's, okay, so let me, let me get this straight. God, you're saying all those that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So persecution comes by living godly. So, <laughs> I just won't live godly. Then I don't have to worry about persecution. We got it figured out. We've, we've figured out the easy way around. We don't want to suffer persecution. We just want to, get, we just want to have everybody you know, get together, and we just all want to go in the same direction. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't rough, want to ruffle any feathers. And so we just, we just won't live for God. Do you understand that you're more concerned then about what others think than you are about what God thinks? Friend, you're not going to stand before others. You're going to stand before God himself. And you're going to have to give an account for how we have lived our life. And we have come to the point in Christianity that we're not really concerned about strong power. We don't really care about the power of God. In fact, when we see somebody that has the power of God, we're like, they're kind of strange. We just don't even want to be around them. I mean, they're always talking about Jesus. They're always talking about how good God is. They're always talking about Scripture. They're always talking about what God's doing in their life and, and what they're reading in Scripture. And They're weird. Well, maybe they're weird, but if God's power is on them, they got something we don't have. Do we really want the power of God in our life? There's going to be times when it would be easier to hide that we're a Christian. 
No doubt about it. Think about what he says. I put thee in remembrance that I'll stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Why would there be fear? Because there's going to be persecution. Why would there be fear? Because there's going to be people that don't like Christians. They don't like people that stand for God. Look at our society. If you stand for, for Jesus Christ, if you stand for right, if you stand for truth, boy, you're not looked favorably upon. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou for ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Timothy, don't be ashamed just because, yes, there's going to be persecution. Yes, things aren't always going to go the way you want them to go. But don't be afraid of that. We have the power of God on our side. And if we will, if we will go to God and ask him for his power, he wants to empower us. He says, we'll, be, we'll have that power to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. We'll have that power to live a life that's pleasing to Christ. If we want it. If we want it. If we love the Lord, we can be a testimony for him. And he'll give us the power to endure. I want you to notice a very important truth here. Other than your salvation and knowing for sure that you're eternally secure, this is one of the most important things to know and understand as a Christian. I want you to look in verse number 9. Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Let me ask you a question. Who saved you? Who saved you? Jesus did. If you're saved this morning or this evening, if you accepted Christ as your Savior, that means Jesus has saved you. You can't save yourself. This church can't save you. Nobody can save you except for Jesus Christ. Amen? All right. Who saved you? Jesus did. Who called you with a holy calling? Hello? Talking about the same person here. He saved us and called us with a holy calling. But here, here's the thing. And, the, and, and what, what just happened there? Oh, yeah, Jesus saved us. Jesus called me? Jesus, yeah, Jesus saved us. The only way we can get saved is through Jesus. He called me? He saved you, and he called you, every single one of us, with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Did you see it there in verse number nine? He saved us, and he has called us with a holy calling. But watch this. God says that he saved you, and he called you according to his own purpose. You know what that means? That means when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, I gave up all rights. When I accepted Jesus as my Savior, I gave up all plans. When I accepted Jesus as my Savior, I gave up all my purpose. I gave it all up. Because 
He saved me, and he called me according to his purpose. Did you notice in verse number 9? Who hath saved us, that's Jesus, and called us to the holy calling, that's Jesus, not according to our works, so we're taken out of it, but according to his own purpose and grace, that's Jesus, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Do you understand? Verse number 9 is all pointing to Jesus. It's not pointing to us. But for some reason, we think in Christianity, everything's about us. It's all about me and what I want, what my desires are. And we don't have any power. Our churches, our homes are in desperate need of strong power. Men, can I, can I be blunt with you this evening? You, as the husband and as the head of your home, you are to set the example of strong power in your home. I'm not talking about physical. I'm talking spiritual. Is there a reason why your wife doesn't desire strong power? Is there a reason why your children don't even think about strong power? Because dad's not concerned about strong power. Dad's not concerned about walking for Jesus Christ and living for him. Dad's not concerned. The husband's not concerned about this. I'll just do it my way. We'll just figure it out on our own. And we've got all of our plans. And what are we doing? We're teaching our family that we don't need God we don't need his power, we don't want his power, and we aren't willing to pay the cost for his power. Give up my plans, give up my desires, give up what I want? <laughs> no thanks. I'm good. And we go living through life without the power of God in our lives. What we have to understand, and please, please get this tonight, God doesn't work for you. God doesn't work for me. God doesn't work for us. He wants to work through us. But we have this idea somehow God is just supposed to do our bidding. I'm a Christian. I'm saved. So God, you have to do whatever I say. No, friend, you've got it backwards. You're saved. You're a Christian. Now you're supposed to do whatever he says. He saved us. He called us with a holy calling according to his purpose. His purpose. Do you want strong power? Not talking physical. Do you want strong power? Have we come to the point where we just, we don't think we need it, we don't want it, and we aren't willing to pay the cost for it? Friend, you're going to live a very miserable life as a Christian. It's going to be very miserable. When we understand that we need God's power, 
we'll go to him and say, God, I need your power. Yes, I know I have the Holy Spirit dwelling in me, and he has all the power that I need, but I'm not using it. I'm not using it. And God, I need it. And we'll humble ourselves and say, God, it's not about me. It's not about my plans. It's not about my desires. It's not about what I want, God. It's about what you want. You saved me. You called me. You have a purpose for my life. God, you show me what it is, and I'll follow. I'll obey. And when we step out in obedience and faith and trust in God, God says, I've got all the power that you need. I've got all the power. What did they do in Acts chapter, Acts chapter 2? <laughs> They went out, they preached. Thousands of people got saved. What did they do through the book of Acts? People got saved all over the place. They turned the world upside down for the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, those were, the, those were, those were special men. No, they were just obedient. Surrendered. Lord, it's not about me. It's about you. Strong power. Do you want it? Do you really want it? Willing to count the cost for it? Or we just got so accustomed that of not having it, we don't even think we need it anymore. Christians, we need God to break our hearts and realize that we need his power in our lives. Because without it, we can do nothing. Father, I pray that you'd work in our hearts tonight. Lord, we need your power. Personally, in each of our lives, God, it doesn't matter if it's a, a husband, a wife, a man, a woman, a teenager, young adult, God, we need your power. And Lord, it's so sad. We've just got accustomed to living without it. Lord, I pray that you would help us to realize tonight that we need it and we can do nothing without it. Lord, just shake us and wake us up tonight. We've just gotten so accustomed to living without it that we don't even think we need it. And we're afraid to really ask for it because we're afraid it'll mess up our plans and everything that we have purpose for our life. Lord, help us to realize that our life is to be lived for your purpose. You've saved us. You've called us for your purpose. Lord, I pray tonight you'd help us to realize we need your power to be witnesses, to live for you, to serve you, Lord, we need your power. 